Just a note before we get started today, Red Rum episodes are released once every two weeks. This is a two-part episode, with the next episode available for Patreons next week, and everyone else on the following Monday, the 29th. I found most of the information for this case from the inquest report, so some of the quotes have been trimmed for clarity. This podcast contains some strong themes which are not for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Soon after that, the four of them decided to get back in contact with the police and beg them to do all they could to find Renee. At this point, officers were taking Renee's disappearance very seriously because of the text she'd sent. Inquiries were made with the phone provider to find out exactly where Renee might be. The service provider informed officers that Renee's phone had been switched off at 5.58pm, somewhere in the vicinity of Old South Head Road, near the Ocean Cliff, known locally as The Gap. This is Red Rum a podcast focusing on the true victims of crime. Episode 24, Renee Marsden. Renee was born on the 15th of October 1992 in Fairfield Hospital. She was the biological daughter of Teresa Marsden and Jamie Deeth. But when she was two years old, Her parents separated, and her mother met a man called Mark. A year later, Teresa moved herself into Mark's home, and in 2000, Teresa and Mark got married. Renee joined an all-girls Catholic independent high school called Mount St. Benedict's College in 2005. The 1,000-student school, ranging from age 11 to 18, sits in Pennant Hills, a suburb on the upper north shore of Sydney in New South Wales. The school's mission statement is, quote, Inspired and informed by our Good Samaritan heritage, Mount St. Benedict College educates young women in a Catholic community where all are encouraged to contribute with the gifts given to them to make a difference in the world. Unquote. Sometime between 2007 and 2008, when Renee was in year nine, she met Camilla, a girl who attended the same school as her. The pair became close friends quickly, learning that they shared a lot in common and even had the same sense of humour. Camilla, however, could see that Renee's high school boyfriend was not a good match for her, and Renee soon broke up with him. She told her cousin Stephanie that Camilla didn't like him. It was also around this time that Camilla and Renee began to hang out together outside of school, and Camilla actually started smoking and not paying attention in school. Renee also stopped doing well in school and her grades dropped she began to become withdrawn and distant. Around this time, Camilla began to push and punch Renee, and at one point actually caused some bruises to appear on Renee's arms. Renee confided this information in her cousin Stephanie and was told she should probably stop hanging around with Camilla. But Renee wasn't so sure. They were all teenagers, and teenagers did have falling outs, but they tended to sort themselves out after a few days. Things did get heated again when Renee admitted to Camilla that she had a crush on Camilla's brother. Camilla was not happy, and the pair fell out again, but as is the way in teenage years, the best friends gravitated back towards each other. The friendship between Renee and Camilla had come at a time when both the girls were in a state of going through puberty, alongside school and social events. 
Between 2007 and 2009, the pair exchanged a number of handwritten letters and emails, which were very intense in their nature, and spoke of their feelings for one another. The letters suggested the girl's friendship had moulded into a romantic relationship. And by mid-2008, after having kept the romantic relationship a secret for a while, Renee confided in her cousin Stephanie and told her that Camilla had tried to kiss her a couple of times and that there had been another occasion where Camilla had been violent towards her. Renee also admitted that Camilla often followed this with spurts of kindness or seduction. One of the emails sent from Camilla to Renee said, quote, I swear to God, kid, you are going nowhere. Do you understand? You abuse me, I'll laugh. You kill me, I'll be your ghost. You hate me, I'll still love you. Run away, chase you. You hide, I'll hunt you down. Only I'll own you. I'm too in love with you and too obsessed with you and crazy about you, baby. Unquote. This sounds quite dramatic to our ear now, but I think at the time, it was probably quite normal. Teenagers can be dramatic, and it probably didn't set off too many alarm bells. At first, Stephanie wasn't sure what to do with the information Renee had shared with her. She knew it was significant, and she should probably tell someone. But Renee had trusted her, and asked her to keep it a secret. After much consideration, however, Stephanie did decide to tell Renee's mother, Teresa. Teresa confronted Renee soon after, and Renee admitted it was all true, and she was actually afraid of Camilla. Both of Renee's parents, Mark and Teresa, were beginning to worry. They searched Renee's room and located a number of love letters from Camilla. They realised that the relationship their daughter had formed with Camilla was quite unhealthy and was likely contributing to her poor grades. Initially, they didn't want to interfere, but as time went on, and as Renee's grades slipped further, they decided to contact the school. They told Renee they weren't happy with the relationship and both Teresa, Mark and Camilla's parents attended a number of meetings at the school in some kind of attempt to try and end the girl's relationship. Teresa even told Renee she would stop paying for her mobile phone bill to ensure that she couldn't contact Camilla. But Camilla gave Renee a separate secret phone so that they could contact each other exclusively. Renee agreed to this, but she did admit to being scared of Camilla and had decided to take part on a hairdressing course that would take her away from Camilla and onto pastures new. She began studying at TAFE, which stands for Technical and Further Education, in New South Wales. The idea with students transitioning to TAFE is that it aims to deliver vocational education and training to allow high school students to be more prepared for work while still being able to study at high school. With this shift in routine came freedom and excitement that Renee had missed out on whilst being involved in the drama of life at the relatively small all-girls high school. She had stopped running into Camilla very much at all, but sometime in 2009, partway through her TAFE training, Renee was surprised to see Camilla walk through the doors of the institution and surprise her. She told Renee that she would be training as a hairdresser too. Camilla's decision to join Renee was not wholly welcome and it wasn't long before the aggression and abuse had returned to Renee's life. Renee did confide in her cousin Stephanie. Again, telling her that she was still scared of Camilla and that one afternoon she'd been chased down the hall and when Camilla managed to catch up to her, she yanked at her hair. 
Renee was determined to continue with life as normally as possible, and in the late part of 2009, whilst working at a salon alongside training, Renee met a young man named Angus. She and Angus instantly formed a connection and began dating. She obviously didn't tell Camilla about meeting him as she didn't want to anger her, nor was she in any kind of regular contact with her at this point. Renee's relationship with Angus was much unlike the one she had experienced before. There was no violence, and the respect was very much a part of the fabric of the connection she and Angus had formed. The two continued dating and began spending more and more time together. Angus was thrilled to have met someone who, in his words, was, quote, a very happy and bubbly person who would always look on the bright side of life and was a glass half full kind of person, unquote. However, during this time, Camilla's obsession intensified and even though Renee wasn't necessarily aware of the extent Camilla was going to, she would often be discreetly followed on the train on her way to work. Camilla would continuously call and text Renee and when Renee wouldn't answer, Camilla would even turn up at the salon and ask to speak with her or pull up outside her family home. Renee returned home one evening after class at TAFE and showed Angus a number of red marks and bruises on her arms. When asked what had happened, she said that Camilla had grabbed her in one of the corridors and then shoved her violently. There was a period of around six weeks in a row where Camilla would turn up at Angus's house and just hang around outside in her car. The stalking didn't stop there and Camilla told Renee that if she wasn't going to answer her phone calls then she would continue following her. Renee wanted to focus on her relationship with Angus but Camilla was making that very difficult. Renee's mother Teresa noticed that Camilla would coincidentally appear at places she and her daughter would happen to be going to such as the library or the shops. There were a number of incidents where Camilla would drive her BMW to Renee's family home. She would park up the road and wait for her chance to talk to Renee. Teresa began to worry and actually thought about the logistics of moving Renee away up to her grandmother's house around 20 miles away. Teresa asked her daughter if she wanted to have a friendship with Camilla and when she said no, she didn't. Teresa contacted Camilla's mother and said that they should all meet up and settle this so the girls could part ways and move on with their lives. The girls and their mothers all met at a local cafe and Renee told Camilla outright that she didn't want to be friends anymore. Camilla was furious and told her that wasn't going to happen. Renee stayed firm in her decision and got up to leave but Camilla followed her and actually grabbed a hold of her where she begged her not to go and told her quote you don't mean it you don't mean it unquote Teresa helped Renee move towards the car but again Camilla pulled at her this time Teresa had to physically get in between the pair so that Renee was able to leave and get into the passenger side of the car. Camilla watched as Teresa got into the driver's seat, closed the door and drove off with Renee staring straight ahead at the road, not looking back. It was at this point that Renee decided the best thing for her to do to avoid Camilla was to quit her studies altogether at TAFE. Renee continued her relationship with Angus and things were going well and developing. Camilla did continue to call Renee during this time and although Renee answered a few of the phone calls, she ignored most of them. However, when she did answer, Camilla would spout a flurry of abuse about Angus, calling him, quote, Ken, 
as a means of being derogatory about the way he looked. Camilla knew that she was never going to win over Renée's friendship if she continued with her angry rants and raves about Renée's current relationship. So, in mid-2011, she began to message Renée on Facebook, attempting to be open and nicer to her. Over the next two months, Facebook messages indicate that there may have been some sporadic sexual contact between Camilla and Renee, with some of the messages suggestive of Renee trying to appease Camilla. Sometime in August 2011, Renee told Angus she was feeling positive about her and Camilla's friendship because Camilla had met a boy called Brayden and this meant she'd be preoccupied with him and her and Renee's friendship could become much healthier. Camilla told Renee she was excited about the relationship. She had met Brayden when she had been on a night out. She'd gone to a nightclub called The Brewery, and the two had started chatting. Brayden told Camilla he was from a wealthy family and had gone to King's School. He now worked as a builder in high-rise buildings. One evening, when Camilla knew Renee would be at Angus's house, she called but got no answer. Camilla called again and again. She kept calling and in fact called a total of 54 times in one evening, even though she received no response. Renee messaged Camilla on Facebook later, quote, That's fucked. I'm sorry, that's possessive. If you can't see that, then there is something terribly wrong with you. Unquote. It seemed that Brayden wasn't the saving grace Renee had hoped he would be for Camilla. Camilla later admitted to Renee that she was struggling with the relationship between Renee and Angus. She couldn't cope with the fact Renee was spending all of her time with him and told her that she felt second best and like she was, quote, something on the side. When Camilla asked Renee to make a choice, Renee told her that there was always going to be someone else. Angus wasn't the problem. She didn't want to be with Camilla. If it wasn't Angus, it would be someone else. It appeared by this point, Camilla and Brayden had broken up. Although Camilla didn't seem too upset about it, she was more focused on her and Renee's relationship. Camilla knew that she had to change her views and her attitude if she was ever going to have a friendship with Renee. She worked hard on trying to control her anger, and at some point, it seemed as if Camilla was no longer jealous or angry. She seemed to have stopped following Renee as well. During one conversation, Camilla assured Renee that she had just disliked Angus. She admitted she'd not acted in the best way, but assured her that the difficulties they'd been facing in their relationship were not a reflection of who she really was, and the next step for their friendship was going to be positive and healthier. This seemed to be helped by the fact that Angus and Renee had broken up a little while earlier. Camilla even suggested that Renee might get on well with Brayden and perhaps the two of them should date. She knew that Renee would like him and she felt bad for the previous difficulties they'd faced in their friendship. She said she didn't mind that she'd dated him before. Their relationship had ended mutually and on good terms. Brayden was a good guy, but he had gone through some trauma in his life. He had been involved in a horrifically tragic road accident, which he had caused, and he had subsequently been sentenced to a prison term. He was, however, working hard to exhibit good behaviour, and had even given up some of his rights, like having access to the prison phone and visitation rights in order to serve a shorter sentence. Renee and Brayden began communicating via Facebook Messenger, as well as text. Brayden's family were wealthy and were able to pay prison staff to get a mobile phone to him. 
he was able to use this whilst in prison as long as he didn't actually talk on it so as not to draw attention to himself. He was therefore only really able to communicate by means of Facebook and text. Despite some initial hesitation, Renee and Braden clicked and connected immediately. They would talk for hours on end, exchanging hundreds of messages back and forth, and quickly, those hundreds became thousands. Braden told Renee about his life. His stepmother had passed away. His father lived in Mossman, a suburb on the lower north shore of Sydney, and he had a brother and a sister. Renee had never met anyone quite like Braden before. He'd been so honest and upfront about the fact he was in prison and what for, and that he was hoping to get out soon. He was kind and actually listened to her. He was as interested in Renee as she was in him, and it was a massive bonus that he already knew Camilla and she had given him the best friend approval that was so important for Renee to have. Over the next few weeks and months, the couple spoke often, and occasionally, Renee would call and speak to Brayden on the mobile phone he was texting from, but because he wasn't actually allowed the phone in prison, he would have to reply to her by text message as she was speaking down the phone. If anyone heard him speaking, he'd get into trouble and likely have his sentence lengthened. Renee opened up to Brayden, and in time, he opened up to Renee. He told her all about the road accident and said that one of the reasons his prison sentence was so serious was because as a result of the crash, his best friend Richie who had been in the passenger seat, had died. He told her of his remorse for the crash. It had all been an accident and had happened so quickly. Renee asked if Richie's father spoke to him anymore and Braden said no. Richie's parents hated him. Renee told him She wanted him to get to a point where he could feel comfortable speaking to her about absolutely anything. Brayden said he needed to start with small steps, but he would get there. Renee comforted him and told him she'd always be there for him, no matter what. Both she and Brayden were desperate for him to be released so they could see each other in real life. In November of 2011, Camilla actually received a message from Brayden saying that he missed Renee and quote, I'm really happy with how things are going on the positive side. I'm happy you and Nay are going well. She is a beautiful girl. I love her more than anything. Unquote. Camilla replied, quote, That's good to hear, Bray. I'm happy for you and her. And yes, I agree, she is so beautiful. I love her so much. She is the best, best friend ever. Unquote. Obviously, during this time, Brayden had been messaging Renee as she texted Camilla, quote, he's a pathological flirt, unquote. It was around this time that, with Renee's permission, Brayden gained access to her Facebook and phone passwords. This meant he was able to use her Facebook page to message other people, and how he initially made contact with some of Renee's friends, and even her mother, Teresa. Just before Christmas 2011, Renee had decided that as serious as things had become between her and Brayden, she needed to tell her mother before she could be fully committed and happy about the situation. She was very close to her mum and told her everything, all about the relationship and about Braden being in prison and the fact he had accidentally killed his best friend as a result of the crash. When Teresa asked her daughter if she was going to visit Braden in prison, Renee told her that she couldn't 
because of his decision to serve a shorter sentence, but assured her mother that the moment he was freed, she'd be seeing him. Not long after that conversation, Teresa saw a message pop up on Facebook. She saw it was from Brayden. He wanted to introduce himself and assured Teresa that he and Renee were planning to see how things proceeded once he was released from prison and he had a positive outlook. The conversations between the two of them continued briefly and at some point, Brayden expressed his concern for Renee. Quote, Teresa, it's Brayden. She is upset because everyone keeps telling her the obvious that I'm in jail and it won't ever work. She had told me what has happened between her and Angus and what he did and said to her recently. She is everything to me and the last thing I want to do is hold her down. She chose to go through this with me after everything that happened. She became my best friend and I have fallen for her and she tells me she feels the same. Teresa, I'm a good guy. I would never disrespect her, cheat or lie to her. She is everything to me and I can make her more than happy. Unquote. Things became tricky, however, as the relationship intensified and Braden began exhibiting more controlling behaviour. Renee was getting ready for a night out on New Year's Eve and decided to send a photo of her in a brand new red dress. Braden replied, saying that she should cover up, and complained that the dress she was wearing was too revealing. He added that she better not cheat on him. Renee decided to continue on with her night as planned, and wore the dress. However, the rest of the evening was filled with numerous text messages from Braden, and a little while after, also from Camilla saying that Renee was upsetting Brayden and again saying that she better not cheat on Brayden. The next morning, Brayden texted Renee to tell her the relationship was over. He had heard from Camilla that Renee had received a Happy New Year message from Angus and that she had obviously cheated on him. Brayden and Renee did eventually resolve this and got back together, but things were fraught. In early 2012, Renee's family had organised a family holiday on a cruise ship and set sail just before the end of January. One Monday morning during the cruise, Renee received a message from Camilla, quote, Come back, miss you. How's the trip? Brayden is having heart attacks, unquote. Camilla had been in contact with Brayden the previous day and he had messaged her on Facebook, quote, Camilla, she won't reply to me. I've called her, I've messaged her. I know she is on a cruise, but she promised she would contact me, unquote. Camilla told Brayden to relax and that she was sure Renee would contact her. Camilla decided to message Renee to find out what was going on. And Renee had replied to her, quote, Baby, I miss you so much. I can't talk till a couple days, no K. It's really nice here. I'm so sick though, I feel like shit man so badly. Camilla replied, quote, Brayden's giving me a headache. Renee asked why and Camilla replied, quote, He cries and stuff because he couldn't talk to you. Oh fuck, are you having fun? I miss you heaps, unquote. The next day, Renee messaged Camilla to tell her that she would be home soon, and Camilla replied, quote, Yeah, hurry, Brayden's taking it so bad that you're missing, lol. Unquote. Renee replied, quote, Counsel my man for me, lol. Love you. Unquote. Camilla replied, quote, What the fuck? I try, it's so hard. He cries. He won't go to class, he is being an idiot. He cries all day. I try. Unquote. Just a few days after the family returned home from their cruise, Renee confessed to her mother that she was in love. And a few days later, she and Camilla made their way to Bondi, Inc. 
This was three years before the popular custom tattoo parlour became a fan favourite, after it became home to the hit reality TV series Bondi Inc. Tattoo Crew. However, there was still a massive buzz around the tattoo shop, and Renee told Camilla she wanted to get a tattoo for Brayden. When the pair arrived, Renee told the tattoo artist that she wanted the initial and last name B. Spiteri on the right side of her chest. Despite her gestures of love for Brayden and the long, constant conversations between the two of them, Renee and Brayden's relationship was not all fun-loving and carefree. It was hard dating someone who Renee couldn't have any actual conversations with let alone any kind of physical relationship. Brayden had created his first Facebook account earlier in their relationship, but he was using it to send messages to her friends, and it actually became a point of argument for the pair. By the end of February 2012, Brayden stopped using his account altogether. Things were often emotionally intense and difficult between the couple, It didn't help that Brayden would express his jealousy to Renee when she would tell him she was out enjoying herself with other friends. Brayden got bored and would sometimes message Renee's friends, including Camilla and her ex-boyfriend Angus. Brayden told Renee he felt lonely and was stuck inside of a prison cell. He spent most of his day occupied with texting Renee sometimes hundreds of times a day. On one single day, there were 170 texts exchanged, with the first being sent at 5 past 6 in the morning. In a four-month period starting in March, the couple sent over 11,000 text messages between them. This was on top of a large number of Facebook messages and communications just before March. In April 2012, Renee struggled when Camilla went on holiday to the USA. Her friend going away had coincided with Brayden needing surgery and therefore being unable to message Renee. She did struggle for the first few days, but one Monday afternoon in April, Camilla messaged Renee to ask how she was doing and ask how things were with Brayden. Renee explained that she hadn't been able to actually speak with him for a little while, but that his lawyer had messaged her to let her know that Brayden's operation had gone well. The lawyer also said that Brayden wouldn't be able to contact her until he was back from recovery on the 26th of April. However, Renee unexpectedly received a number of messages from Brayden. It was comforting to be able to speak to him again, especially as she'd been preparing herself for a long period of no contact. He did whatever he could to speak to her. It proved just how much he loved her. Camilla messaged Renee a few days later, asking how Brayden was doing. Renee replied, quote, He's knocked out and sore, whinging like a girl, lol, unquote. Things had been going well in Camilla and Renee's friendship. However, that did change one evening when Camilla became angry and upset at the fact she thought Renee would be spending all of her time with Brayden once he was released from prison. Renee's mother, Teresa, had been home at the time of this argument and acted as a kind of agony aunt between the two of them. The argument did resolve with Renee promising Camilla she would still be there for her once Brayden was released. She could have a boyfriend and still be friends with Camilla. She wasn't going to ditch anyone and didn't want to have to worry about Camilla's behaviour. However, it became apparent over the next month or so that it wasn't Camilla's behaviour that Renee needed to be concerned with. One day in April of 2012, Teresa was met with an extremely emotional phone call from her daughter. Renee told her mother that Brayden was furious 
because he'd seen a Facebook post from Angus that had been liked by Teresa. Teresa then received a text message from Brayden himself with derogatory comments, as well as stating that she was an unfit mother liking her daughter's ex-boyfriend's posts. Teresa was not happy with this level of controlling behaviour and decided she needed to tell Renee how she felt. In May of 2012, Teresa told Renee exactly what she thought of Brayden and said she didn't think the relationship was good for her. She thought Brayden was rude and arrogant. Renee did agree and told her mother she would end the relationship from a romantic point but did want to continue some kind of friendship with him. She had gotten to know him so well and she wanted to support him, especially as he would be coming out of prison soon. However, unbeknownst to Teresa at the time, Renee didn't end things with Brayden and continued with the relationship for the next few months. Brayden was due to be released in August of that year and Renee knew the couple would then be able to be together properly. However, over the month following Brayden's release, the couple weren't able to meet up in person before Brayden was sent back to prison. Whilst out on parole, Brayden had gotten into a fight with his father, and his father had actually pressed charges against him. This meant that Brayden was immediately sent back to prison and was ordered to serve a further two years behind bars. Because he was going to be in prison under different circumstances since being sent back, there was no way he could have a mobile phone like before, and this meant that he and Renee were unable to have any kind of contact with each other. It was also during this time that Renee had been facing a stressful situation at work. She was not feeling mentally stable, and along with everything else going on with her, her boss had told her that he was in love with her. This confused Renee, as there had been no mutual feelings, and it wasn't something she had expected at all. Just a few days later, Renee took an overdose of medication. Although the amount she took wasn't enough to render her unconscious or kill herself, Renee threw up a number of times over the next few days, and by the third day, still being unable to hold down any food or eat at all, she told her mother what she had done. Teresa took her to the hospital. Doctors examined her, and Renee told them that she regretted having taken an overdose, and that she was happy to be alive. She said that she was upset she couldn't be in contact with her boyfriend, and that her mood was around a 4 out of 10. She also said she wasn't going to harm herself. Renee knew that her mental state wasn't healthy when she was constantly thinking about being with a man that she couldn't actually have or be around. She decided that her mental health had to come first and she wanted to end the relationship for good. Soon after, Renee met and became romantically involved with a work colleague of hers, Ian. The relationship was exciting and so different to her previous relationship with Brayden. The romance moved quickly and the couple progressed towards love. They were honest with each other and shared memories and secrets. Renee told Ian all about Brayden and that he was a very powerful person with a lot of money, as he'd taken over his father's construction business. Ian questioned this, but Renee told him it was all true, and that she had met Brayden's family, and they had been welcoming and kind, but the relationship just hadn't worked. Although Renee and Ian continued in their relationship, all the while, things were proving difficult because Renee was still in contact with Brayden, She couldn't bring herself to shut him out completely. They'd shared so much together and it seemed too harsh to just drop him. However, 
Brayden was not happy about the new relationship Renee was in and began to act possessive and controlling. He told her he didn't think Ian was any good for her and he even messaged Ian and threatened him if he continued to date Renee. Ian ignored these threats and actually proposed to Renee in January 2013. The pair were happy to be engaged, but throughout all of the excitement that followed, Renee couldn't help feeling some kind of a pull towards Brayden, and Ian was becoming more and more upset that Renee kept speaking to someone who had treated her and in turn him so badly. Brayden had been threatening to hurt the man Renee loved, and Ian decided that he couldn't deal with it anymore. In March 2013, he told Renee that she had to make a decision. He gave her the ultimatum. She could either continue being engaged to him and they could continue their relationship, or she could choose Brayden. Renee did choose Brayden. She didn't want to stay working alongside Ian after the breakup and so left that job and got another one. When she started her new job, she was very open with her new colleague Joseph about who Brayden was and what their relationship was like. By this point, Brayden and Renee were in regular communication and solid in their relationship, although this didn't last and just a few weeks into their rekindling, The couple argued because Brayden had been sending Renee's cousin messages about Renee's ex-boyfriend, Angus. Renee couldn't understand why Brayden was getting involved and told him to stop. Brayden also responded sarcastically to being sent a photo of some paintwork Renee had completed. This upset her and she told him he wasn't being supportive and it made her feel bad. The next day, Renee had to ask for Brayden's permission to visit the Albion Hotel with Camilla, because Brayden had previously expressed that he didn't like her going there. However, this time, he did agree, and told her she could go and he just wanted her to have fun. Renee and Camilla arrived at a local restaurant for dinner and some drinks, and whilst there, Renee spotted Ian across the other side of the restaurant, He didn't see her at that point, but after she left, she sent Ian a text message inviting him to catch up with her and Camilla at a nearby hotel. When Ian arrived, Camilla became very upset. She forced Renee to leave with her just moments after Ian had arrived and reminded her that Brayden would not be happy. On the drive home from the hotel, Camilla became so upset and infuriated with Renee that she actually hit her on the back of the head and pulled her hair. She thought it was disrespectful to Brayden and she had been the one that had set them up. She didn't want to look like an idiot. After that incident, however, Renee confided in Brayden about Camilla's actions. Quote, I think now Camilla and I are done for good. Ian was there and he came and said hello and we were drinking, right? So we got up and left and then we were dancing and we went pokies. And Camilla goes, if you fucking turn around, I'll tell Brayden. Out of everything, I was so upset she said something like that. And we were walking and she starts abusing me in the car. It ruined everything and the rest of the shit and hit me in the nose and was screaming the whole way home because I typed ma into Facebook. And she goes and says that Melanie's such a better friend and she would never do that. It's at this point I don't feel safe around her. I hate going out with her and I can't do it anymore. I said the last time she hits me again, I'm done. All she kept saying was, you're dead. I'm going to fucking kill you and gets knocking my head. I can't put up with the violence anymore. Unquote. Brayden, however, wasn't the supportive boyfriend she had hoped he would be, rather than understanding her and talking it through. He responded, quote, Now listen, 
don't badmouth anyone, Renee. Don't you dare talk to Martin at all. Even if you see him, don't you dare. Don't contact Ian, and you're not to see Camilla at all anymore. I'm not having her one day just snap, and if you do fight at her birthday, I can see you getting beyond hurt. I don't want you around that at all anymore, okay? But you do have to wish her a happy birthday on her birthday. And don't go around talking to Martin and tell me now, has Ian messaged you? Unquote. Renee replied, quote, That's what I'm scared of. I've been at the end of her fist before, I'm not going through it again. I will wish her a happy birthday, don't worry, I have the respect of that. He hasn't messaged me, he wouldn't, baby, I will tell you, okay, babe. Unquote. The next day, Braden told Renee that he hated Ian, and it was Ian's fault she and Camilla weren't friends anymore. Renee told Braden not to worry, and that Ian wasn't the problem. She and Camilla had been in a difficult place for years. Braden responded by saying that he knew Camilla's birthday was coming up and it would be a good idea if Renee actually took her out for dinner. He thought she was a good kid. He agreed that she should go to Camilla's birthday party the following week, but he would instruct her on how to behave. He added that she shouldn't tell her mother about the previous argument they'd had. We've spoken about this kind of behaviour on Red Rum before, and Braden was exhibiting yet another kind of controlling behaviour, trying to distance Renee, telling the whole story to her mother, in a way isolating her. Renee did agree to this and decided not to tell her mother. Towards the end of March, Braden told Renee that he could either move cells and have nothing until he was out, or he could have no phone for the whole of July, but then be out in a few months. Renee agreed that whichever option would get him out sooner should be the one he should choose. A couple of days later, another argument broke out when Braden accused Renee of ignoring Camilla. Renee became angry and asked why Braden was taking Camilla's side. She then said she didn't have the strength to continue and she'd rather let it go. However, Braden convinced her to continue being friends with Camilla. The next day, Braden messaged Renee, quote, Training is tonight and then on SAP, and we have lockdown on Sunday again, unquote. He continued explaining that the lockdown was due to someone being caught on their phone. Renee had just watched a 60 Minutes show about prisoners hiding their mobile phones behind tiles and told Brayden to be careful. But Brayden replied she didn't need to worry. He kept the phone on him at all times. Renee said that to be safe, when they talked on the phone, they should continue to be him typing and her talking. It's not exactly clear when, but sometime during the time Renee was contacting Brayden in prison, he asked her to marry him. She was thrilled and began to allow herself to get excited again about their future. Brayden messaged her, quote, We all have the best wedding, baby. I'll make you happy, baby. I'll do whatever you want, just for you. And I want you to be mine forever and be mine for the rest of my life. I want to be your husband and you be my wife. I adore you, unquote. Renee needed him out of prison. Whilst he was there, things were too difficult. She was upset that she couldn't be physically near him, but she knew he had a storage unit and asked for his key to it. But Braden said that that wasn't possible because the process was long and only his lawyer had the key. On the 16th of April, Renee messaged Braden, quote, I fight for you, Braden, through court, through meetings. When they hurt you, I stayed by your side, talking to you. Every situation we've been through, I've been there and not once have I complained. Braden, you will never get it because you're a male, but to a girl, 
Finding that perfect someone is everything, and I found that with you. I truly thought you were everything and I could never let you go. I saw my future with you, and I was going to do whatever it took to give it to you. Unquote. In response to this, Raiden did accept responsibility for how much he had hurt Renee in the past, and said he wanted to be with her and would do anything to ensure that happened. Renee saw this as her chance to ask him to acknowledge some of what he'd done in the past. She told him that he talked a lot, but actions speak louder than words. Quote, Sometimes I ask for simple things, and it's like you don't want me to have it or know. It's simple things like letting me see your storage, to your lawyer calling me. I always feel you have an excuse no matter what I ask. I have nothing of you, Brayden. Seeing a car of yours would make me feel so much closer to you, but I feel like you just hide things from me. I never have an excuse for your credit or when you needed me to be friends with Camilla because you needed her for court. I did, but you just can't let me in when I ask for simple things. It's not fair. Unquote. It's clear that by this point, Renee was desperate for some kind of actual contact, even if it wasn't with Brayden himself. She needed to feel close to him. They'd been in a relationship for such a long time and she'd never even been able to touch him. She messaged him, quote, I asked you for one simple thing, a key. Not money, not to escape jail, nothing but a key. Just, Brayden, I have nothing of you. Absolutely nothing. I can't even get a photo of you anymore. It's hard for me, Brayden, okay? It's killing me. I told you before, I don't need anyone with me. I want to go by myself just to touch something you have or see. It would mean more than the world to me. Just that wants to go. Unquote. Brayden could see how much this meant to Renee and assured her... He would take her there the moment he was released. However, when she wouldn't accept that, Braden became angry and told her that he'd just sell the storage unit and then she would shut up. He also called her a, quote, materialistic bitch. Another worrying moment of manipulation happened in May of that year and just added to the examples of unfair and controlling behaviour Braden was beginning to exhibit over Renee. He told her he didn't want her going to the gym. To save an argument from happening, she told him she wouldn't go. But Braden had been tracking Renee's phone, and therefore knew she had left the house. He initially denied that he tracked her phone, but told her the relationship was over because Renee had lied to him. Braden went on to tell Renee he didn't want her socialising with any work colleagues. This was all too much for Renee. She told Braden that she didn't want to marry him anymore. The couple continued arguing and then eventually came to some kind of agreement. They suggested talking about the changes they wanted to see from each other. Renee sent a text setting out eight changes she wanted him to make, and Brayden replied with his changes for her, quote, to stop hanging around Joe and other guys on your own. You need to be loyal. You need to understand what I'm saying as well, unquote. Renee was juggling her difficult relationship with Brayden and her on-again, off-again friendship with Camilla, and it was proving very difficult and stressful, but she was desperate to continue. She just needed to wait a little while longer, and Brayden would be out of prison, and the two of them could start their relationship properly. Most of the difficulties between her and Camilla seemed to be exacerbated by the difficulties in her relationship with Brayden, So, Renee hoped that when they could all properly meet and be together, things would hugely improve. The next week, Renee wrote a letter to Camilla, 
Quote, There are two things that I am absolutely grateful for, and I would always be thankful and grateful for the rest of my life. And that is allowing me and Brayden to start a relationship together. You don't understand, babe, how much it truly means to me. And if it wasn't because of you, I wouldn't have met the one person that means more than the world itself to me. And secondly, for always being there no matter what happens. I only want the best for you and I hope one day you find your everything and you're someone that will mean more than life itself and more than anyone or anything in the world. I'd kill anyone that would hurt you. Learn from your mistakes, babe, especially the last few months, but you have pushed. You're showing how strong you truly are and I admire you for that. I'll do anything I can to make sure I can give you what I found and make sure that person is your all. It's my life mission to see you happy and my life won't be complete until I see the day that you have everything you ever dreamt of. Unquote. Just under a month later, after another argument and makeup, Camilla texted Renee and said that they needed to have a more accepting and understanding outlook of each other's lives. Renee did agree with this and suggested to Camilla that they should meet up once every week or two. A few days later, Camilla texted Renee and told her not to do anything to lose Brayden. This included telling Renee that if she couldn't work out what was going on or was confused, to just believe Brayden and not push it. She told Renee to have some faith in him, and if she couldn't do that, then she should walk away. Camilla also warned her that she shouldn't go looking for Brayden, and that anything she may do could actually, quote, wreck his whole entire case, so just leave it for him to work out and shit. Renee was beginning to get annoyed at how involved Camilla was getting in her and Brayden's relationship, but she tried to be understanding. Camilla didn't have a boyfriend and had a lot of spare time, so Renee tried to set Camilla up with a friend of hers, Jordan. But whilst mentioning this in passing to Brayden about this new setup for Camilla, it came out that Jordan didn't train or work out. Brayden said that for this reason, he didn't like Jordan and Camilla shouldn't date him. Renee was confused. Why did Brayden care so much about who Camilla was dating? And come to think of it, why did Camilla care so much about how she treated Brayden? Camilla was her friend and Brayden was her boyfriend. Shouldn't they be more concerned about Renee? Brayden was struggling to communicate with Renee and complained that his phone was no good. Renee did offer him her Blackberry and said that she could get his fixed and get him a new SIM card and deliver it to him or his lawyer. Brayden told her he didn't know the lawyer's home address or his work address. Renee was confused. She asked him how that could be, seeing as he'd been in meetings with his lawyer before, but Brayden didn't like being questioned and another argument ensued. Quote, What the fuck? You fuck. Where the fuck are you and who the fuck are you to question what my meetings are about and fucking who with? Unquote. The couple argued for a few more messages but Brayden eventually wrote, quote, I love you, Renee. You changed my life from day one. I know there has been hard times, fucked times, and mean times. I adore you and you're so beautiful in every way. I miss you. I love you so much, Renee, without fail, every day. Unquote. Renee, however, was not happy with what had just happened. Why had he reacted so aggressively to being asked where his lawyer lived? She also questioned why he seemed so concerned with Camilla's dating life and why Camilla seemed so concerned with Brayden and Renee's romantic life. She told Brayden that she wouldn't be coming back to him unless he changed. 
Red Rum is written and presented by Grace Cordell. It's produced by Russ Clark and Grace Cordell. Music and sound design by Russ Clark. Title music by Benjamin James.